All right. Hey, everyone. Um, this is the first and only episode of the Stream of Consciousness podcast, a podcast where I think out loud to try and make sense of things and you get to follow along in the process. Um, today, I wanted to talk a little bit about one of my favorite TV shows, which is The Good Place by NBC. Um, but before I get into that, I wanted to share a little bit about myself and what brought me to this topic. And so um, I'm Kenzie, 23 year old college senior graduating from Concordia and St. Paul um, in two weeks, actually, with a degree in Christian ministry, theology, and nonprofit management. And um, I have gotten to spend five years at least associated with Concordia. And um, something I've become really passionate about is learning about matters of faith and life and how they intersect. And I've been privileged enough to go to a handful of lectures and read a handful of books and be a part of groups that um, help foster those kinds of conversations. And so that's kind of how we got to what we're getting into today. Um, but I personally um, kind of have a mantra that all things in life are worthy of thinking about. Even simple things like TV shows and as big as what we're doing with our lives. And so I think if we stop to notice, we see that the media we consume um, also kind of tries to make us think about big things too. And I think that's kind of why this kind of media exists, which is to portray big ideas and entertain people, even when they seem like silly little shows that um, just end up the way they are. Um, and I, I think, always think it's really interesting how much thought and um, time is spent on putting together TV shows and other types of media um, when we don't see the manuscripts that never make it to the screen. Um, but so much is calculated in those things. And especially in today's day and age, um, it seems whether or not we want to believe things, um, we're really prone to falling into our own ruts of thinking, thinking that if we're right and nobody else is right, um, that we just get to tune out everything else. Um, and so I've always tried to be really intentional with stuff like this, which kind of got me into a giant thought bubble about this, um, talking about The Good Place, which is a show that's largely about ethics and brings out a lot of really great questions that I've enjoyed considering, um, especially as a Christian, a Christian ministry student, um, how another Christian might consume this media and still get something from it, even when it's for a largely post-Christian audience. And so with all that, um, I wanted to share that because I just want to dig into this topic with you and share some things that have helped me along my journey, um, as well as share some of my own thoughts and so um, the topic of today that I've chosen is talking about theology, grace, and philosophy in the good place. <laughs> the Good Place is really one of those shows that makes the most sense if you watch it, but um, I understand not everyone is there yet. 
hopefully by the end of this, I can convince you to binge four seasons by the end of this thing. Um, but I also want to make sure you have something to watch and that I don't give away too many major spoilers, even though, um, quite frankly, some of them are pretty necessary to understand the plot of the show. And so um, in order to do that well, I've spent some time thinking about what other people have said about The Good Place, and I want to borrow some words from um, a student named Emily, um, who did a quick explanation of the show. And so she said, um, and I agree with, and I quote, um, with its pastel colors and lighthearted theme song, The Good Place may, she- may seem like an innocuous television show about the protagonist, Eleanor Shellstrop trying to fit in a heaven-like version of the afterlife called The Good Place, knowing that she doesn't belong there. This illusion is quickly shattered for the human characters and the viewers when Eleanor utters her now iconic realization in the season one finale. This is the bad place. Sorry, those are my remains. Um, IMBD attempts to sum up the show by writing four people and their otherworldly frenemy struggle in the afterlife to define what it means to be good. And the basic premise of the show is that the four human main characters, Eleanor Shellstrap, Chidi Anagonye, Tahani Aljamil, and Jason Mendoza, have died on Earth and have entered the afterlife. And in the first episode, they're welcomed into a neighborhood in the good place by the architect Michael, an assistant with universal knowledge and magical powers named Janet, and 318 other human residents. And after a season full of mishaps and interpersonal conflicts, the finale reveals that Michael had duped the four human characters into believing that they were in the good place when they were actually getting tortured in the bad place by demons and by each other. Michael is actually an architect of the bad place who is piloting his new ideas for torture. And he stole Janet from the good place and the other residents are also demons acting as humans under Michael's direction. And that's just season one. The next three seasons following help to clarify the layout of the afterlife and its key settings, the good place, the bad place, the medium place, and the neutral zone. Throughout these seasons, Michael attempts his experimental neighborhood through 802 reboots, where he wipes the four humans' memories, changes some variables, and fails to make the good place illusion last. Eventually, a cast of demons organize against Michael, leaving him no choice but to ask the four humans to join forces. Janet, Michael, Eleanor, Chidi, Tahani, and Jason all band together to form Team Cockroach. In order for this to work, Michael takes ethics lessons with former moral philosophy professor Chidi, and Michael experiences a positive ethical transformation. Team Cockroach fights their way through the afterlife system in an effort to create a more equitable life after life. Through running redesigned experiments to prove humans are capable of ethical growth, The team gains insight into the system's underlying issues and also learns about moral philosophy in the process. By the end of the last season, the team succeeds in designing an afterlife that facilitates personal ethical growth with no torture, otherwise known as the true good place. End quote. (laughs) Um, So yeah, that was a lot, um, but essentially Team Cockroach is what we're focusing on. Um, which is the four humans, Michael, which is a demon, and Janet, which is an AI robot type figure. Um, And they're all trying to figure out a humane way to treat humans after their passing. Throughout the show, they all become better people, explore philosophical concepts, and try to earn their way into the real good place. And spoiler alert, they don't make it on their own. 
but um, it's still a really great show with a lot of twists and turns, which I think the summary highlights well. Um, I also wanted to add a little bit of context as to how they got to the bad place or the fake good place, um, which is that um, this concept that every action they commit was given a numerical value, kind of like karma um, or like a moral scale. Um, so when they did good things, they got a positive number added to their score. And when they did a bad thing, they got a negative value taken from their score. And so the system they're fighting against is the system that told them that their actions made them good or bad people. And they fight that partially by becoming, trying to become better people, and also by advocating eventually for a system that has more grace for them to mess up and still make it into the good place. And I think this concept, like I said, it mirrors some um, major religions or thought processes like karma. I do really want to openly disagree with the idea that what we do and our actions are what give us access to um, what we would consider the true good place. Um, Christians call that heaven. Um, and with that, um, Christians believe that God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for that. But I do really like that the show um, eventually acknowledges that they can't make it on their own. And I think that the show really wrestles with and teaches us a lot about what it looks like to be good people in our time on earth. Um, and it also makes a point to say that people are capable of changing. And I think all of this um, together, um, while there are some pieces I just openly disagree with, um, I think the show is really relatable, um, whether we outwardly are expressing these kind of big life questions that they're posing, um, things like what makes a good person and do people get to change? And um, this show, which is um, pretty centered in modern philosophy, um, tells us that, yeah, that's true. And so with that, um, kind of going through an exploration of this, I've chosen two pieces that I wanted to share with you. Um, and they're both based around this idea of virtues. And so virtues are dispositions, um, and these dispositions influence our activities. And so a virtuous person means that you take the right actions and do the right things in accordance with what you would consider to be right. And so um, a piece that I found really helpful to kind of help understand that concept um, is Nicomachean Ethics, which was written by Aristotle, just casual name drop, in 340 BC. Um, and I'll post that in the show notes for you as well. But essentially, um, this builds the case for the chief human good or what all humans are looking for, um, which Aristotle defines as happiness. And he talks about achieving happiness by participating in activities of reason that align with our virtues. Um, and I actually read just a small portion of this piece um, in a book called Leading Lives That Matter. Um, and I know that Aristotle also believes that beyond doing things, um, we also need to have intent behind our action, because which in order, um, excuse me, to be virtuous intent would have to be what we would consider to be right. So when we do things seeking an ulterior motive, we aren't truly doing what is right. To be right, we have to do things for the sake of doing them, um, which for the chief human good would be to be or to cause happiness. And um, I know that the show also takes on this stance because Chidi comments on it on season, in season three. And he says, goodness isn't something a person inherently had. It's something that he or she achieves through their actions. And so I just wanted to highlight both of these and hold them in tandem. 
they illustrate the basis for the show. Um, and like I mentioned earlier, the key plot is that the characters are trying to achieve the actual good place by being good people. But sometimes in the show, um, they have an ulterior motive, which is doing things to get to the good place, not doing things because they are good people. And so sometimes, um, many times, their actions are counterproductive, which actually holds them at a moral standstill. Um, and knowing this, and that with my experience and my knowledge of various ethical concepts, it's really easy for myself and probably for other people who watch this to say, oh, you, you shouldn't do that. That's counterproductive. That didn't count for you. Um, but I think in our own lives, we also do things like that um, because we do things because of what we might get from it instead of just doing it. And I think that's another area too, where the show illustrates what's real for us. Um, I hate to bring up such a meta subject like culture, but I think we're very achievement oriented. So when we want to earn the top thing, of course we do. Um, but the top thing doesn't always equal happiness, which um, Aristotle again calls the chief human good. And so I wanted to pose the questions of are happier people, the people who worry about their achievements or who do things just because, and the show, um, from my understanding of it might say that the happiest people do things out of sake for the common good, um, which causes everyone happiness. And so all of that to say, um, my point is that in order for um, Team Cockroach to earn the good place, they must commit actions out of pure intent for the common good, but they don't start there. And truthfully, most of the time we don't start there either. Um, but luckily for us and for them, um, there's also evidence that we get to change and become better. And so the show, um, as well as my next excerpt from Glittering Vices, also reinforce that. Also, once again, sorry, oh, my roommate. Um, but yeah, going on. Um, Glittering Vices by Rebecca DeYoung also talks about virtues and the antithesis of virtues, which are vices and how we have both, but that there's space to grow and regress between the two because having good virtues, she compares it to having good habits. And so she actually says um, in Glittering Vices that we can cultivate habits or break them down over time through our repeated actions. And thus we are ultimately responsible for our character and that we develop virtues and vices primarily by imitating those around us. And I felt that this paired really nicely with the show also, because we see that over time, um, and you may have noticed that demonstrated through the summary that I shared earlier, um, that they become better people, especially Michael, um, the demon who joins forces with the same people he was trying to torture, and the four who begin the show by literally torturing each other, um, they eventually band forces um, to collectively reach their goals as a group. And um, not only is this good for them, but it's good for us as viewers, because who would want to watch a show where they're just torturing each other the whole time for four seasons straight? Um, I wouldn't watch a show that didn't have a compelling character arc. Um, it also means that we and they um, are not prisoners of our circumstances, and that if we feel compelled to change, we can do that. But the hard part is that it takes work. And we also see that for Team Cockroach in The Good Place. Four whole seasons, in fact, of work for them to 
experiences character transformation that really makes the show what it is. And um, once again, this is a show that makes the most sense if you watch it. But from the beginning of season one to the end of season four, there's a pretty stark difference to who each character is. They begin to develop actual relationships and actually care about each other, sometimes just to pursue a good life for the sake of themselves, which they quickly correct when they realize it won't get them any further. Um, but also eventually because they don't want to go about life alone. And so there's a handful of instances throughout the, the show, spoiler alert, where you can see these things loud and clear. And those are usually in the moments where one character makes a sacrifice or gives something for another person. And so in one episode towards the end of the show, Michael, who's the demon, um, I just really love emphasizing that, I guess. Um, he gives Eleanor one of his pins that would get him into the good place because without it, she can't get where she needs to go, also the good place. But he does this um, knowing full well that giving Eleanor his pin might not get him to the good place. He might have lost his chance permanently. And not only is this major character development, I could make a whole show about the character development of this show, but um, why would you do that, really, is the question that comes to mind for me. And another good example of that is when Eleanor, right away, um, beginning or end of season one, admits that she's not a good person and doesn't belong in the good place. And even when she does make this huge moral transformation and is the only person who has improved enough to actually go to the good place, she chooses to wait until her friends can improve and come too. And all of this reminds me of John 15, 13 in the Bible that says, no greater love than this is when a man lays down his life for his friends. And um, obviously this is speaking of Jesus, but I think that there's something incredibly special about relationships in this way when we truly love and care for one another and vote for the happiness of one another, we sometimes have to give parts of ourselves up for them. Um, and I hate to bring up culture again, but I do think it's very countercultural to say that I care what's best for you over what's best for me, or even I know that choosing what's best for you is going to make things harder for me, but I'll do it anyhow. And I think that this is a mark of virtuous behavior, um, back to that, um, because there's absolutely nothing when you're doing an act of self-sacrifice that you gain for yourself. It's giving of your time and your energy and your resources and quite honestly of yourself. We see that in Jesus's case and your well-being in your whole life. Um, and I just think that that's truly the love that God lined up for us. And obviously there's a lot more self-sacrifice that we see in Jesus's life because he lived a pretty perfect, virtuous life. Um, but some moments that immediately came to mind for me were um, moments like a woman at the well where Jesus loses his social points, his cool. We're talking to a Samaritan woman. Um, also, when he went away to pray and still chose to heal people when they found him um, in a time where he very clearly wanted to be alone. Um, of course, when he gave up his body and blood at the Last Supper, when he became a servant and washed the disciples' feet, and of course, when he died on the cross for the sins of humanity, um, which is, of course, the biggest moment of self-sacrifice. Um, 
but especially as I was thinking about these things in preparation for this podcast during Lent and Holy Week and the Easter season that followed that, what really became the most interesting to me were those events that happened on Monday, Thursday, which was the night before Jesus died on the cross and when he was betrayed by Judas. Um, But he also gave the disciples the last supper of his body and his blood and gave us the command to love one another. Um, It does feel a little bit weird to compare Jesus to um, a moral figure um, because Jesus didn't just tell us what we needed to do to be good people, um, keeping in mind that we are ultimately unable to do that. But he also gave us himself, um, his time, um, all of which are major acts of self-sacrifice so that we would be equipped and be reminded of his promises for us and we could live those out in the world around us. Um, he teaches us how to treat others and he leads by example. Um, and he didn't have to do any of it, but he still did and he gave it to us. And that is grace. Um, which speaking of, um, I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but Team Cockroach eventually, spoiler alert again, does not end up in the good place by their own merit. Um, They do try to become relatively moral people, but it wasn't enough for them to achieve on their own. Um, Instead, they end up in front of the divine judge named Jen to um, change the system and to let them in anyways, and eventually they get in. And similarly, Jesus um, gave us salvation and a relationship with the Father through his actions not because of ours or because of anything we could do to earn it. And so Christians acknowledge and believe that there's nothing we can do to earn our way into the real life good place, which is heaven. But we are thankful and we praise God for the work of Jesus that actually gets us there. So, yeah, (laughs) maybe I'm thinking a little bit too deeply about literally all of this. But it has been really fun to think about. Um, The Good Place is what I would consider to be meta-television, which is a show that teaches us more about ourselves and the world around us through TV and through its characters. And so um, I really deeply enjoyed watching The Good Place. I've seen it front to back three times at least. Um, But as they followed on their journey and we as the audience watch it, It brings about many different questions about how we as humans make meaning and find happiness along the way. Um, And even though there's nothing that we can do on on earth to earn salvation or make it to the good place, um, the life that we live, um, and for those of us as Christians, we attribute that to following Jesus's instructions um, and working on the benefit of others all of that matters. And so I want to leave you with a quote from Martin Luther that said, God doesn't need our good works, but our neighbor does. And so as we all are walking through the rest of our earthly lives, um, I, I want to pray for us that we're encouraged to live a virtuous life and walk in the way of truth, um, that Jesus reveals to us until he calls us home. And, Also, I I pray that maybe, just maybe, (laughs) this encourages you, inspires you to 
to see um, these big themes in the TV shows you watch and maybe give uh, The Good Place by NBC. It's on Netflix. Um, I'll watch with a fresh set of eyes. So those are just some of my thoughts. I could talk about this probably for years, but um, there's a lot to be gleaned from all media types. Um, and in the, in the Good Place um, by NBC, I have found a lot of value and a lot of good questions answered about ethics, morals, and even comparing those things to Christian theology. So I hope that you enjoyed listening to my stream of consciousness and maybe we'll get back to this someday soon.